Hello and welcome to the CFA UK series on climate change. My name is John Tihan, and in this episode, I'm going to focus on food loss and food waste. How does this link to climate change? Well, one third of food is lost or wasted, and that lost and wasted food accounts for 7% of total greenhouse gas emissions. It also requires a growing space the size of China, which has an obvious impact on water scarcity, biodiversity loss, and deforestation. As analysts and portfolio managers, being aware of these issues can help us and support us in our engagement with our investee companies. They also link into other sustainable development goals, such as zero hunger and zero poverty. And I believe that if we can make our companies more responsible and more sustainable, it is good for shareholders and it's good for wider society. Our climate change series aims to help us understand these issues from a different perspective. And with that, today I am joined by Mark Curtin. Mark is the CEO of the Felix Project, a food rescue charity based in London. It delivered 21 million meals in 2020 to families suffering from food insecurity and food poverty. And under Mark's leadership has grown to be the biggest independent end-to-end -end food redistribution charity in the UK. Welcome, Mark, and thank you for taking the time to give us your perspective on these issues. Can I start by asking you to give us a little bit more colour on the charity itself and the role it plays within redistribution? Yes, thanks, John. Hi. Um, so the Felix Project works, as you mentioned, in, in London, uh, and we're a food rescue and redistribution charity. So we work right across the commercial feed industry, from the farm, if you like, all the way through to the fork, manufacturers, wholesalers, retailers, uh, food-to-go businesses, and, and any, anyone really that has, you know, has food within their business. Um, but a huge part of what we do is very much um, with food retailers. And what we do effectively is we help those organisations to prevent the food waste that you're talking about by taking their surplus food while it's still perfectly good for human consumption, regardless of what it looks like, what size it is, um, or any other reason why it becomes surplus. And we get that food sorted and redistributed out to, in our case, nearly a thousand community organizations right across London, charities, refuges, homeless shelters, schools, and many other organizations that are working at a local community level to tackle the issue of what's called food insecurity, but in, in simple language, hunger and malnutrition. And to give you an idea of the scale in London alone, there are over 2 million people, which includes about four to 500,000 children living in a household who are at risk of hunger and malnutrition or find themselves food insecure. So our role is to make sure that none of that food goes to waste and to get that food sent through an army of volunteers and fantastic staff with vans, a kind of last mile redistribution service, if you like, um, via four depots that we have across London, um, out to all those organisations and then do a range of other things with those organisations to help them make sure that food and hunger and malnutrition is just one less thing that people that are really struggling at the moment need to worry about. Okay, well, there's a lot there. Maybe we just unpack a little bit of it. Just to go back up, can you just, again, confirm the sectors that you're working with? Yeah, so we work with lots of charities and community organisations. So that includes food banks, homeless shelters, refuges, local community organisations like sports clubs and local youth clubs and organisations that are working with people in their community. We also work with social landlords um, who have high numbers of people living on their estates or in their, in their housing stock, if you like, that are from low-income families. 
Um, and we also, during the COVID pandemic, have been working with local authorities who set up hubs across London uh, that are like um, food bank operations, if you like, where local volunteers then do whatever it takes to be able to get the food to the people that need it most. And the other part of what we do is working with schools, particularly schools where there are a higher percentage of young pupils or children from families who are entitled to free school meals. But we very much focus our work with schools on the issue of sustainability rather than food poverty. Um, because we also try to avoid as much as we can the the issue around stigmatization um, uh, that that comes that comes with some of the challenges that the communities face. But huge range of organisations right across London in every borough that are working with people and families who find themselves food insecure for all kinds of reasons. And then from the food supply perspective, if you like, can you talk us through that side? Yeah, so we will work with organisations, as I say, from farm and primary production right the way through. Uh, to the hospitality and, and retail end of the um, of the food industry. So that can involve, if you take farms, for example, we may work with farms and other manufacturers to do uh, gleaning is something that's really popular. So we might have a call from a farmer that says, I've got a you know, field full of potatoes or carrots or apples. Um, for one reason or another, whether it's a cancelled order, overproduction, something that's gone wrong somewhere along the line. Um, we can send uh, a team of quite often volunteers down who get trained on all the health and safety and everything that's required to be able to glean that food. And we rescue that food. We fill up the vans and get them back into London full of you know really good produce. And then where we work with other businesses, if you like, a little bit more systematically, we can either collect um, or receive the food from them in many different ways. Um, to help them prevent and reduce their waste in the business by taking that surplus food, whilst, as I say, it's still perfectly good for human consumption, um, including very, very short dates on food that often is the reason why it may not reach the supermarket shelf or through to the end of the logistics chain. And we can get that food sorted and redistributed out via our operations. Okay, so you, you're saying that there may be a farmer that has received an order from a large supermarket and suddenly that order was cancelled and he's left with this produce. And you can actually get the volunteers to go out there and pick the produce from the, from the field. Yeah, we do that all the time. I mean, last year we took, you know, tons and tons of food. Give you one example. We worked with an organisation that were producing the apples that were due to go to a, a well-known music festival in the southwest of the country that was cancelled last year uh, for the cider. Uh, and uh, that the apples weren't needed. So we were able to go and to glean those and bought all of that really good produce. Um, the, the great thing, obviously, with the farm produce, as well as being fruit and veg, it's also got a very high nutritional value. And obviously, the shelf life is, is much longer. So the earlier we can get to food in its life cycle gives us much more control as well over the whole life cycle and logistics chain, which is which is better for us. It gives us more flexibility as an organisation. That's interesting because I guess when my initial idea of food waste was from food retailers in particular, it was just something coming out the back of, of the shop. But you're looking at the, the, the supply chain, if you like, you're going back to the farm. If we move through that supply chain, where else do you find that, the, that your supply comes from? Yeah, everywhere is the short answer. But specifically, if you look at food businesses, um, we see a huge amount of produce can come to us um, depending on the type of business. So if you take supermarkets, for example, it might it may well be the distribution centres. 
it may be for various reasons um, that the food hasn't reached the supermarket or hasn't reached the shop. Quite often it's to do with dates, to do with quality, to do with um, order sizes and so on. There's many reasons for that. In other organisations, it may well be that it's, um, if you like it, if it's more at the hospitality or um, restaurant and food to go business end of things, um, it may well be because um, there's been uh, over overproduction um, or um, sales have been impacted for one reason or another. And, and quite often they'll be down to things like packaging um, that's been marked wrong or um, um, various reasons, you know, why food, if you like, doesn't make it to the consumer, to the end, to the end customer. So any reason at all, we can work with a business to help them reduce surplus um, is uh, it means that where there is food that is fit for human consumption, then we can we can take that food. Before we dive further into to some of that, because that's a very interesting area, can you give us just an idea of how food waste is measured? You know, we, we think about it often in tons because that's the headline numbers. How do you think about by measurement? Yeah, well, I mean, we still very much, because of the size of our organisation, we still very much measure the amount of food that we rescue in tonnage. Um, so, for example, you mentioned the statistic from our performance from 2020 earlier, which was about uh, 9,000 tonnes of food that was prevented from going to waste. So we, we in our language, we call that rescue. Um, but then when we actually sort that food and convert that into meals that are redistributed, we go by the government guidelines, um, which is that 420 grams of food uh, is the equivalent of one meal. Um, and there's also some guidance as well around um, the nutritional balance, if you like, of fats, carbohydrates, proteins, um, oils, etc. Um, the uh, the wrap um, the, the uh, NGO that, that the likes of Defra and the food industry work very closely with um, provide. Um, so we follow those guidance gu guidelines, sorry, um, and we very much make sure that as the food that we redistribute out to the communities we exist to serve, we can't always be in control of it because it's surplus food, and sometimes we we don't always know what we're going to get. But as much as we possibly can, we get the food redistributed with a with a really good nutritional balance i think one of the things that we're particularly proud of as a charity that we do is about 60 70 percent sometimes more 70 80 percent of the food that we redistribute is very high nutritional value so we're talking fruit veg meat fish some staple products you know pasta potatoes etc long life ambient products but the fresh, the, the more the more fresh and, nutri and higher nutritional value. And I don't use the word healthy. There's all kinds of uh, of discussions about that. But we, we we pride ourselves very much on high nutritional value content. Okay, so just to put it in context, you delivered 21 million meals last year in London alone. How many million meals are we short to to solve or to to mitigate really to a large degree the food? Insecure. Yeah, so there was a, a piece of work that was done a couple of years ago before COVID um, that suggested that in London alone, the demand was for 109 million meals a year. We've done some research recently that's looked at economic forecasting, which is predominantly what impacts on food insecurity. Not, not exclusively, though. There are other factors which suggest that that 109 million as a result of the pandemic this year in London could be anywhere between 118 million and 128 million meals that are required to meet demand so huge we're we, you know as much as we've done as much as we've grown we're still a long long way off from being able to meet the demand we need we need to be about five times bigger than we are today to be able to meet the demand just in london alone and is there is there a surplus available in london or, or close by that could meet that demand we believe so yeah 
in uh, if you look at the data that um, has been published uh, in the last year or two, um, it suggested that about 10 million tons of food in the UK goes to waste, albeit about 70 percent of that is in that is in the household. So three million tons or so still within the commercial food industry um, that can be rescued, prevented from becoming waste and redistributed to organisations like ourselves. Um, in addition to that, um, we're also finding ways to make sure um, we can repurpose food, if you like, and provide it in such a way that it does meet the demands of those communities. So one of the things that we're just about to venture into um, is to open up a professional production kitchen ourselves and take some of that surplus food that's sometimes quite difficult to send out to the local community. You know, maybe we, we get, for example, we work with an organisation called the Country Food Trust, and at the moment where there are too many deer in the country um, because there hasn't been a huge demand for venison, restaurants and so on, uh, we've been receiving uh, really good high nutritional value content like venison um, and being able to work with chefs and professional uh, restaurant groups to turn that food into meals, curries and other things that you can do with that. So, so we're trying to be as creative and innovative as we can rather than just look at this in terms of volumes of food um, is is how we make sure that we get the right food to the right communities in the right way that makes it easy as possible for people to be able to consume it. You mentioned that you, you, you the surplus food that you get, you're not quite sure what you may get at any point in time. How can, I guess, food retailers or, or others in the hospitality industry help you to improve your planning and to understand what you're going to get? Yeah, it's a difficult one because quite often we, you know, we hear from food businesses that they're not always sure themselves where there may be surplus. But I think where we've seen real success, if you like, is is in where we've worked in in partnership in the true sense of the word with organisations. So rather than a transactional relationship, which is, oh, we happen to have all of this food left over, we'll give it to the Felix Project. What we've been doing with some organisations is working with them where. Um, the reduction of surplus becoming waste is planned by design as part of the business systems um, that organisations put into place when they're opening up new stores, new ventures, new ways of working. And as a result of that, sometimes um, and, and increasingly often, we're able to help them plan to prevent waste when they know or forecast that there may be surplus. And also at the same time, enable us to be able to have more sight, more control of what food is coming and when. Seasonality plays a factor as well, particularly when we're talking about primary production. Um, and we also know, you know, if you come into any of our depots just after Halloween, you'll see the place is full of pumpkins um, and, and other similar root veg because there's been, you know, a huge amount produced for supermarkets, not all the families have bought them to carve out and do what they do with them. So the result, we'll take them and we'll turn them into soups and all kinds of things for people from the communities we work with. So ideally, your systems, your logistics will be plugged into the food retailers system so that you could see what food was coming down, down the pipeline, if you like. Yeah, I, I think that's where it works best. I think that what we find is that when we have a real partnership rather than a transactional relationship with food industry businesses there are many benefits firstly for the food business themselves we believe that we are a credible capable partner um, with several years of experience now in working right across the food industry in the way that i've described we hear from food businesses that what we do helps literally save money um, because there is a cost to um, moving food waste on 
Um, but also there's a bigger um, impact, if you like, for the business itself in that by having us systematically partner with them and, and having us ingrained, not just in the business, but, you know, hopefully increasingly across the food industry more and more, we are helping the food industry to strengthen, if you like, its social purpose, its impact. Um, we have had really successful examples of working with organisations. Um, the best one I could think of is, is Acado. They have a fantastic programme called You Give, We Give, um, where they talk to their customers about not only reducing their own waste and that, that impact, but providing and, and supplying food to us, but actually engaging their customers in the work they do with us. And they give the customers an opportunity to make a donation at the till, which is matched by the business. Um, and I think there's an increasing expectation now from customers, from staff. I, I talk a lot to um, people. I was just talking recently to a guy called Neil Purcell, runs a, a, an organization called TalentWorks International, who help place, you know, help organizations grow and scale with, with talent acquisition. And as we all know now, millennials and younger generation, the expectation is what's the purpose of an organization? What's its social impact? What does it do? other than maybe people more of my own age when we were starting our careers was how much I can earn, what pension will I get and so on. So I think there's a, there's a growing um, demand um, and expectation now from the public, from customers, consumers and all stakeholders, whether it be members of staff and hopefully your own audience here of, uh, um, of investors and so on, that organisations are doing a work in, in partnership with, with charities and organisations like ours in a much more meaningful, planned um, and holistic way rather than the old days maybe of a, of a transactional uh, afterthought, which is we've got this food, we need to do something with it, let's, let's chuck it to those guys. I, I wholly agree. I think we, it's, climate issues can't be solved or hunger can't be solved with one party alone. It has to be a multi-stakeholder approach. Absolutely. You, you've touched on how things have changed and how the companies are engaging with you, and uh, et cetera. But if I just step back and think about what may have been the challenges in the past or what may continue to some extent be challenges, be it element of trust and consumer liability, et cetera. Are they still issues? Are they challenges for supermarkets to, to really engage with, with uh, distribution charities? Yeah, I think they are um, in some, some examples. I think, um, you know, we have, uh, there, there's an anecdotal story that goes around in our own industry about how um, probably quite a while, you know, long before my time working in this industry, but 10 years or so ago, somebody from a, a food business um, saw some food being sold on a, in a marketplace um, that had been, that they realized had been donated. Um, and, and that's, you know, it's the kind of, you know, bad story where that sticks. Um, and as a result, there, there's been this issue of trust, but, you know, that's probably that was probably you know one box of chicken, or, or I don't even know what the food type was. But the millions and millions of meal and thousands and thousands of tons of food now that does find its way to the front line to those community organisations that need it most via charities like ourselves and others in our space um, are much much more uh, or much better examples, if you like, of our capability um, and our credibility and 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 the the systems and processes and safeguards if you like that we've put into place we meet all of the standards that are required of us in terms of tracking and traceability uh, we work very closely on hygiene health and safety we do a huge amount of training and briefing for all of our staffs our depots are inspected um, and you know and, and we 
come to the food industry now with many years of experience, whether it be ourselves or others in our space. But I think one of the ways that we can increasingly improve that relationship, so there is credibility, trust, is again through partnership. I think the more that the food redistribution charities um, become uh, systemized, if you like, or working with us become systemized um, rather than a transactional relationship, I think, and and that you know that could be specifically like seconding people, placing people. We we work very closely with lots of organisations where the first thing we ask them to do is to send their staff in to come and volunteer. The great thing about organisations like us is you can drive our vans, you can sort food in the depots, you can see the systems, the processes and everything else that we have into place. And I think one of the biggest challenges we have specifically with the supermarket industry is um, there is quite a fluid movement of people, of staff, key staff sometimes, in that in those organizations where they employ tens and tens of thousands of people particularly obviously the big guys and it's getting the message and the understanding and awareness of who we are and what we do and why we are an important partner across in a way that everybody understands and even if you know the guy that's the general manager of the distribution center moves on somewhere else which happens quite often the next person that comes in to replace him or her um, understands who the Felix Project are and who the food redistribution charities are and why that particular business works with us. So, so it's finding multiple ways to really embed ourselves into the industry and the businesses in a way that's, that's as I said many times, is, is about partnership um, rather than um, this a kind of distant arm's length relationship. So from our perspective, I guess, as portfolio managers or analysts, and we engage with these companies, how can we, or what should we be pushing them on? Now, obviously, with the UN sustainability goals, they're looking to have food waste by 2030. The UK, along with the Netherlands, is, is making very good progress towards that target. Firstly, do you think that target is ambitious enough? And secondly, what message should we be giving to these companies on your behalf? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question, and and I think um, I we as charities and and community organisations are we're very ambitious. Um, I think for a number of reasons. One, because we are very passionate about what we do, and we see the impact that when it's done well, um, that it has on those communities we exist to serve. We we have a dual mission, most of us, if you like, which is to help reduce waste and the impact on the environment. So last year, all that food that we prevented from becoming waste was able to um, was to stop forty thousand tons of greenhouse gases being emitted. So on the one hand, um, why why shouldn't we want to do that quicker and better? Why should we wait until? 2030, 2040, 2050, when we know that there is a workable solution to address that and to reduce the impact on the environment now, this year, next year. And therefore, I think the level of ambition of the volume of food that can be prevented from going to waste um, could could be um, more ambitious, if you like. We could accelerate that because that infrastructure, those partnerships, that way of working is all there. And then I think the other thing that's also really impactful and, and, it, and it has an even greater need, if you like, in terms of placing a demand on us to act quicker, is that people are dying on the streets of a rich and diverse city like London today, tonight. There will be a homeless person or a rough sleeper in the cold that will be suffering hunger and malnutrition that may well pass away 
maybe even John, while we've been speaking on this call or tonight, and if we can find a way to get more food to meet that demand that I talked about earlier, 118 to 128 million meals. And at the same time, the equivalent amount of food is being wasted. It's being plowed back into fields. It's being chucked away in bins. It's being sent for anaerobic digestion or animal feed. Yet people on the streets of a city like London or Manchester, Birmingham, Glasgow, wherever, are dying of hunger. So we've got to ask ourselves a moral question. It just cannot be right, can it? Do we want to be the people responsible and in a position to make that change as investors, stakeholders, owners of businesses that have all this food and are responsible for that food and going to waste um, whilst whilst that's happening? So, so my shorter answer to your question if you like is yeah let's act quicker let's do more because we because we can and we see that when we do make that change the impact is literally life-changing and in some cases life-saving for people uh, this is you know, bring it home literally the you mentioned that 70 percent of food waste uh, food loss is in the home is there any way that you can connect with, you know, at, at, at a lower level with the household to to reduce that waste? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we do we do quite a lot of work. As I mentioned, our schools work is something that we're particularly proud of. So when we go into schools, and we're in over 120 schools in London at the moment, and we have plans to grow that to reach many, many more, is that we we run assemblies. We have our volunteers and our staff go in and we talk to young people um, who then take the message home to their families about the impact on the environment of food waste. And we use all kinds of ways through not just ourselves, but partnering with other charities and other organisations um, to give people hacks and tips and all kinds of ways in which um, you can both reduce food waste and also be creative and innovative. We do quite a lot of work in the summer holidays or school holidays, should I say, with holiday programs. And we bring sometimes celebrity chefs or organisations along. We work with a fantastic organisation uh, in London called Kitchen Social, which is part of the Mayor's Fund for London Charity and other organisations uh, such as Chefs and Kitchen, where we get professional people to say, well, OK, well, this is a particular fruit or vegetable. Some cases the children say, well, I've never heard of that before. I don't even know what that is. What do you do with it? How do you chop it up? How do you prepare it? And we talk a lot with organisations, uh, including I mentioned we've been working with uh, social landlords um, and housing associations about putting the infrastructure in place at the local level. So helping make sure that people have got fridges and freezers or uh, community hubs where they can go and access food. So that if we provide the food and we get it diverted to that local area or family um, via those community organisations, that they know what the food is, how to store it, how to prepare it and how to enjoy it, how to make food fun. One of the greatest bits of feedback that we get from families, particularly through our schools programme, is that they've said um, they can, that what we do with the schools is we create a marketplace at the end of the school day and the families who come to collect their children go and collect the food together and for free, you know, have a bag and take it home. Anecdotal stories are that, first of all, families, first, that, that dinner time has become a thing again. 
from our generations, we probably all remember sitting around the table with grandparents and hearing stories and food being the thing that brings us together. And that's, that's kind of become lost quite a bit, I think, with, you know, microwave dinners in front of the TV and all of that. So we're hearing about families making dinner together, learning about food, having fun, enjoying food, mum and mums and dads connecting again with children and having something in common to talk about. But very importantly, the children giving that message to their parents about the importance of reducing waste of food in the household, as well as what we do by working with the commercial food industry. We spoke a lot about the food retailers, but mm -hmm. what about the hospitality industry? So I'm thinking hotel groups and restaurants, and perhaps yeah. also in the, in, in the context of COVID, how you see that changing? Yeah, we've done a fantastic amount of work with with some really good socially minded businesses. Um, one person who springs to mind is a great example. There's probably many, but um, is in the hospitality industry is the chef Adam Handling, um, who who has a number of restaurants in London. Um, Adam actually set up uh, before COVID a restaurant uh, called The Ugly Butterfly, where all of the surplus food from his other restaurants went and then they turned that that food into a fantastic menu of some of the most amazing food it was a great place to visit unfortunately due to covid and the and the closure of a huge amount of the hospitality industry and you know the high streets and so on um that that came to a, a, a premature close but I, but I, you know there will be plans again for for something similar but we've worked with lots of restaurant groups like adams and others we've worked with hotel chains we're still doing some work at the moment with um with a number of um food industry uh, businesses so that includes the guys who run the kitchens at the metropole hilton hotel in Paddington. We've done a huge amount of work with, um, thanks to the Richard Caring Foundation and, and Richard Caring's group of restaurants, uh, the Ivy Collection and others, where they've actually used their own kitchens and their own professional staff. Um, again, another example is we're doing some stuff at the moment with Hakkasan uh, and their fantastic uh, professional staff and restaurant group. And what they do is they use all their expertise. They use their supply chain. Uh, they use the expertise that they've got of chefs and you know professional people in the hospitality industry to produce meals. Uh, we then give them the opportunity to put those meals in our own vans and get our own vans and drive the food around. So they also get to see where that food goes um, at the at, at the end, if you like, at the beneficiary end. So we we find innovative and creative and fun ways, but but with an important social purpose sitting behind it all to engage with every aspect of the food industry and the hospitality, you know, catering and um, food to go industry is 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 just as big a part of that as any other part that we work with. And you 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 think when we build back from COVID that there will be a, a greater emphasis on this? And um, perhaps going back to what you said earlier about the, the purpose that people look for um, from companies. Yeah, I think there will be. I think that one of the things that's happened as a result of the pandemic is that the whole public awareness and understanding of food insecurity or hunger and malnutrition um, has increased significantly, you know, largely thanks to Marcus Rashford, um, but also the huge number of media stories over the last 12 months. I mean, I, I you know, we've, we ourselves as 
as a charity have benefited significantly from a fantastic partnership or fantastic support, should I say, from the Evening Standard and the Independent who helped us with a campaign that we ran during COVID, which was emergency response. And therefore, you know, whether it be the mainstream media outlets or, or a more local level, there is much greater awareness and understanding of just how many people find themselves at risk of hunger and malnutrition. I think a number of people have been really surprised to hear the statistics. Um, and also, I think there's been a big um, change in the, the, the type of people, the backgrounds they come from and the demographic of those that have found themselves food insecure. Um, so we work a lot with organisations where um, elderly people who have become socially isolated because of the pandemic and not able to get out, not, not be able to go to lunch clubs or whatever it is that they do to, to engage with people in their community, have meant that many, many more people have become aware of this issue of hunger and malnutrition. And sometimes how difficult it can be that to access good quality food that a lot of us just take for granted. So as a result, I think that what we'll see as a, as a legacy of the pandemic is that there will be a greater there is a greater understanding, but there, what comes with that, there will be a greater expectation, particularly on big businesses, to do more. And when people continue to learn and understand more about how much food actually goes to waste, because there hasn't been enough done about preventing surplus from going to waste, customers, staff, hopefully investors and owners of these businesses will take both a moral um, responsibility but also understand that it impacts on their business. You've given us uh, so, so much information that we can use when we engage with companies that we may be invested in or are looking at. But what about on a personal level? What can what can people do either within their own companies or outside of the companies to, to support the Felix Project? Yeah, lots. Um, we love to. We love welcoming people in. Um, it's really good fun. I've just spent a couple of days actually this week on the depot floor with the troops, getting my hands dirty and, you know, putting my own boots on the ground, as it were. So people, first of all, come and volunteer, come and get involved. Um, you know, if it's if obviously you're in and around London, uh, you can do that with us. There are lots of organisations that do what we do across the country. So find your local food bank or your local charity organisation and do whatever you can on a voluntary level. Um, it's tremendously rewarding. It's something that families can do together. And, and children can get involved. I talked earlier in our conversation about gleaning. Um, I think, you know, it's really good fun to get your wellies on and just get out to the farm for a day, especially at a time when we've all been stuck in our houses for the best part of 12 months, and go and pick some fruit and veg, load it up in the van, and you'll know that what you've done that day, as much fun as you've had, that that fruit and veg will end up on the plate probably within the next day of a homeless person or a pensioner that's lonely. So volunteering, you know, we're always looking for really good people. And volunteering manifests itself in many ways. You can drive a van, you can co-drive, you can come and help out in depot. But we also look for people who can help our organisation with their professional skills and backgrounds. We've got a big push to develop our technology in our business at the moment. We've got a fantastic array of real talented people who are some of the, you know, some of the brainiest, most skillful people in terms of technology from Microsoft, from Deliveroo, from Ocado and senior roles that help us to develop our own technology. So we're looking for people who can bring skills, knowledge, experience in that way. Of course, we're a charity. 
So we're always looking to raise funds and we ask people, you know, by coming to our website or finding us online to make a donation. Um, and then I think the other thing that's really important, and sometimes I often say that food is just is just as good, if not better than cash for us as a charity, is if you're if you are invested in or, or a senior stakeholder within a food business. Um, what ask the question to the senior management team there. What, what's that food business doing about reducing its waste? Is it engaged with a food redistribution charity like Felix? If not, why not? If so, well, how much? Is all of the surplus food coming to the charity or is it just a proportion of it? How can you do more? How can you help as an individual to influence those businesses and organisations maybe that, that you're able to? to reduce its waste by working with charities like us. And then as an individual yourself, whether it's friends, family or whoever, donate, give time, give money, give expertise, anything that you can do to help us on our mission to uh, reach 100 million meals redistributed by 2024. And to do that, we can simply just go on your website and sign up. Yeah, thefelixproject.org. Um, or you can find us on you know most social channels. We're, we're across most social media channels as well. Uh, I personally am on LinkedIn, so you know, give me a shout and uh, and drop me a line. I'd love to hear from people that are interested in doing more with us. Well, Mark, it's been a pleasure talking to you. It's been really, really interesting. I hope to take lots of this information and and, and engage with the companies that we're invested in to to put pressure on them to do more. I know lots of them have been great supporters of you, but as you've said, there's there's more that can be done. But thank you for your time and best of luck with all your efforts. Great. Thanks, John. It's been a pleasure. Thank you very much. Thank you.